0: Welcome to the Harmony Church podcast. For more information on service times, any upcoming events or joining a life group, please check out our website, harmonychurch.nz. We really hope this week's podcast blesses you. When Catherine invited me to speak on this, it did really feel like it was a God thing. It felt like the Lord opened up the doors for me to do this. So Yeah, I'm hoping that he's going to bless you today. And I also know that God um, brings blessing when the church gathers together. So it's just so wonderful to have me from Grace Vineyard joining with you guys at Harmony. I know that the Lord's favour is on us when we join across the city. So that's just so beautiful. So I'm going to talk about worship today and I'm going to talk about a little bit of biblical stuff and also a little bit of. What it means to worship in a time like this. So I know that you guys are probably tuning in from your TVs, from your lounges, that kind of thing. It's sort of crazy times, but um, worship takes on a really specific role in these kinds of times. So we'll talk a bit about that. But before I want to dive into that, I just want to begin by saying that in my own life, worship has been a real mainstay, a real essential part to my walk with the Lord. And I don't think that that's been an accident. I don't think it's just because I play guitar and I happen to sing and be a musician. I think it's been more than that. I think that the Lord has intentionally built worship into my faith walk from day one. I became a Christian when I was 13 years old. And because of just the goodness that God had shown me and the way that I'd encountered His presence, honestly, worship was just a natural response to Him. It wasn't something that somebody had to preach a sermon on. It wasn't something that someone had to tell me or force me to do. It honestly was just this kind of thing where I'd met with God and I just wanted to be alone with Him. I locked myself in my room and just began playing the guitar and singing. And it was a way that I connected with Him, poured out my love to Him. And so I do think that worship is essential for every Christian. And that's what I want to say to you guys. Wherever you're at on your worship journey, I want to encourage you to embrace being a worshiper. Jesus said in the book of John, I believe, that the Father is seeking worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. And there's not many records in scripture of God actually seeking things out or seeking people out. But we hear from the words of Jesus that he is seeking worshipers. So, yeah, I want to be included in that. I think there's a call on my life, but I think there's a universal call to all the believers. to love. The kind of love where the grass just looks greener, the sky seems bluer, the birds seem to sing sweeter. That kind of like love where you just become invigorated and come alive... As your being gets swept up and overwhelmed in this reality of being in love. That's what actually God is inviting us into. And yeah, I just love that. Like, there's a lot of people, Christians, that are really good at serving God. They do a lot of things for God. But I think what God's actually wanting us to to be is in love with Him. So worship is one way that we really put put flesh to that love, we really express it tangibly. So another thing that's central to worship is this reality of presence. And we see this right at the beginning of where worship comes on the scene, is that um, presence is mixed in with it. So there's this dude Moses in the Old Testament, and he's the first dude where God says, I want to dwell with you guys. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture where I just get the heart of God, that he wants to be with his people and not distant, not up in the sky somewhere. So he says to Moses, build me a sanctuary so that I may dwell with my people. And so they build this thing called a tabernacle. And that's the place where God's Spirit dwells. It's His manifest presence, not just His omnipresence, but His manifest presence, a concentrated presence. And surrounding that is worship. Worship from the beginning seems to be the appropriate response to presence. Almost like this marriage, this match, this accompaniment, where the presence of God is, worship also is. And moving on from Moses, there's this dude called King David. He's an incredible, incredible character in Scripture that shows us what it's like to be an extremely passionate worshipper. He dances just with all his might, is one of the expressions that the Bible gives. And so when King David comes along, he goes a step further than Moses. And he actually begins using musical instruments in worship around God's presence. He actually begins um, playing harps and lyres and cymbals and dancing and like just basically going wild with these expressions. And it's just, just beautiful. He just wants to put this adoration on display. And it's all as an accompaniment to the presence of God. So um, that's one truth about worship that I love, and we do that today in our church services. We have worship bands going, and it's all going back to this lineage of David where he wanted to host the presence well. So another lens that we can look at worship through is the fact that it's a way to enthrone God as the king of our hearts. So there's lots of things these days that can take the central place in our heart. It could be our desire to just watch a lot of Netflix. It could be our desire to be popular and have good friends. It could be just our desire to have the next best car or the next biggest house or whatever it may be. But these things can become like gods that actually take the throne of our heart. And the the Bible calls that idolatry. And the thing about idolatry is that when something's on the throne of your heart that's not God, it actually sucks the life out of you. It drains you. And an idol promises to give you good things, but it just leaves you dry, leaves you cold, leaves you unsatisfied. And so when we put God in our, in our central place, in our heart, on the throne, actually we get freed from the ways that idols drain the life out of us. So we begin to live humanity as it was truly intended. We become more human when we make God the king of our heart. There's that great song, King of My Heart, which I believe has a whole bunch of life on it because it's putting language to this reality that's happening. We're enthroning God on the thrones of our hearts. So we, we get freed from all these other things that are trying to you know drag us down into ungodly ways of living. So that's another way. Another lens... Um, to view worship is to view Jesus as the one that is just worthy in and of himself and this is just such a beautiful one to come back to really is that if Jesus you know did nothing else for us if we gained nothing more from worshiping Jesus the reality is that he is just ultimately worthy and we see that in the great scene in Revelation where there's Tens of thousands upon tens of thousands... Sorry about that, guys. (laughs) Tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of angels... Just gathered around in the heavens... Around the throne of God... Just singing, holy, holy, holy... Is the Lord God Almighty. And that's the place where Jesus sits. It's a day and night song that lasts for all of eternity. So, if we had no other reason... We get to step into that song. And that's the greatest privilege of all of our lives. And um, Jesus is infinitely worthy. So, those are some ways to view worship. Those are all great paradigms to view worship. But there's something I want to specifically touch on today. And that's the way that worship takes on a specific role when the times are uncertain. When circumstances around us just seem to be crashing in on us. And in and of ourselves, in our human strength, we don't seem to be able to find a victory. And whether you want to call it the battle, the storm, the desert or the valley, these are all, they all have differences, but all of them are these places that we can find worship in. That almost, It's almost as if the song rises from the most unlikely of circumstances. And worship's always carried that quality. And so I want to talk about a specific example in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles where this happens. So there's this dude, and his name is Jehoshaphat. He's the king, King Jehoshaphat. And he finds himself in a very uncertain circumstance, a very anxiety-provoking circumstance. So what happens with him is there's actually an army that has risen up to attack Israel. By the time he hears about it, this army is already at his doorstep. And this army was also far too big for Jehoshaphat to be able to combat with his army. Their strength was completely overwhelming to him. There was really no way that he could find a victory in his own strength. Which, just a word on that, is not always a bad place to be in. When you're at the end of your own strength, that's often a good place. Because it means we turn to the Lord who ultimately has the victory. So Jehoshaphat finds himself in this place, completely overwhelmed, completely unable to find a victory. And so, what does he do? Well, the first thing he does is he seeks God. He actually humbles himself and acknowledges that he is not able to do this. That's something that we need to continually be in the practice of doing. Acknowledging that the victory cannot come from ourselves. So he seeks God for advice. He calls the Israelites together to sing songs, to, to bring worship, to just come before the Lord and humble themselves. He also does a fast to just humble himself. And in this place of humbling and seeking God, one of the priests there, a guy named Jehaziel, the spirit of the Lord descends upon him and he begins to prophesy. And here's the prophesy, prophecy that he brings. And I feel like there's life on this for this time. It's really powerful. He says this. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And I just want to read that again and let it settle. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Or be discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And so, what Jehoshaphat does from this moment is super countercultural, counterintuitive. Instead of mustering up his army and getting his horses going and sharpening the swords and encouraging the soldiers to go to war, instead of doing all of that, he actually employs the worship team. He employs the singers and the musicians to go right out at the front of the army. And their task is simple. They just have to remind everyone of the goodness of God. And so they sing this song. It's Israel's most famous song. It goes like this. Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever kind of hearing Michael W. Smith echoing in in the background. His love endures forever. But yeah, it was that song. Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. That's all they do. But they stand in the middle of the battle and that that would be terrifying. But they lift up the song and the Lord just does something amazing on their behalf. Which God loves to do, by the way. He just sends the army into confusion. And before they know it, They're standing in victory and the enemies have been defeated and all they've done is sing a song. And so the Chronicles writer is really trying to make a point here. The central point is that the dependence upon God that Jehoshaphat had was was everything at that moment. That was what the biblical narrative is telling us over and over and over again, that we can trust God in these moments. And instead of mustering up our strength and trying to just fight these battles on our own and being overcome with anxiety, our response in these times is to engage in worship. And in that place of worship, we remember who He is. We're strengthened by His character. It's saying here, He loves Israel. And this love is enduring. It's not running out. And we have reason to thank God right now. And so in the middle of the song comes the victory. So I just want to read what one of the biblical scholars says about this. To humble oneself in the face of insurmountable odds, humanly speaking, and to trust him fully for deliverance, are the essentials of biblical faith. So this is from Mark Boda, an Old Testament scholar. What he's saying is that the essence of biblical faith, the very, the very center of biblical faith, faith, what it's all about is to humble ourselves when we're in crazy circumstances and to trust Him for deliverance. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat does. So there was a time in my life where um, this was really probably the most pressing it had ever been for me. And it was a time where my now wife, we're together now, but at this time we were wondering whether we should begin dating. And I had really liked her for a long time, so this was like really emotionally charged for me. And so it pressed on me in a way that I'd never been pressed, and it pressed particularly on my trust in God. I, honestly, I was just so overwhelmed. That I didn't know that I would be able to trust God for this. I was super, super broken. It broke me in a way that I had never really been broken before. And it did (laughs) a lot of things to me. I actually lost a lot of weight. And I kind of became a recluse in that time. I didn't spend a lot of time out. It really was a time of just super uncertainty to me. On a really emotionally challenging level. And this was the time out of any time in my life where I actually learned to worship. Um, I had worshipped before, and I've certainly worshipped since. But in this time, my worship took on a whole other reality. And it was kind of like this King Jehoshaphat thing where with well, walls just seemed to be crashing in. there was just really nothing left to do but to just respond to God and worship. And in that time, honestly, worship just poured out of me. I filled up like word documents full of just songs they seem to just like pour out of me these songs are just desperately trying to trust in god knowing that i could do nothing at all and so i actually still want to record an album there was a whole albums worth of material out of that and all the songs were all about trusting god him being the faithful one him being the one i could trust in Him being the one I could look to. The fact that I was powerless, but He was powerful. These songs were just drenched with these truths about God. And I felt like in that time I was kind of like a tomato sauce bottle just being squeezed as hard as it possibly could be. And I think it gave the Lord pleasure that in that time what flowed out of me, out of the squeeze, was worship. And God and I became mates during that time. Honestly, I hadn't really figured out what people meant when they said you're never alone because God's always with you or, you know, he's the best company and all that stuff. I had never really grasped that until this time of severe brokenness and severe uncertainty. And I just clung to God like my life depended on it. And I clung to him in worship. I was just pouring out these songs as offerings to God and it really shaped the way that I've walked with God since. has shaped the way that I've worshipped him on a whole other level of intimacy. And so, both biblically and in my life, I've seen the way that in times of uncertainty, these really are the times where salty, true, rich, thick worship gets birthed. And I just want to talk about how we can press into that now. So this is a pretty crazy time where for the most of us, probably at home, probably not getting out a huge amount. And some of you may be loving that, and some of you guys are maybe like, thinking this is terrible. Um, And either way, it's a pretty emotionally charged time, and there might be emotions coming up that are just surprising, that you don't know where they're coming from, but it's just swirling and it's all coming up. And I just wanna say that that's actually okay. And from my experience, It's the best fuel you can use to begin sowing into your life of worship. And the other thing that's just so beautiful is that this is a time where we get to choose to be alone with God. And we know that Jesus himself, he regularly spent alone time with God. And I believe that was the source of his power. I believe it was the source of identity, who he knew he was. And how he was not swayed by the opinions of others. Was we read in the scriptures that he got up before the light had come out while it was still dark. To spend alone time with the Father praying. And I really just want to suggest that that's something that we should be pressing into in this time. And if you're someone that hasn't had a huge history in worship. Now is probably the perfect time. So I want to talk about a few practical ways we can press into this. So you don't have to be a musician to worship, in fact you don't even have to have a worship band. Jesus, his most powerful and intimate times with God, they were alone in the secret place. So here's some things you can do. Number one, you can jump on YouTube or Spotify and just begin making playlists of songs that stir your spirit. Don't just choose songs that have the coolest beat, although that's fun. Music is cool. But look for songs that stir your spirit, that actually do something in the inner parts, that actually begin changing the way you think about God, that actually make you agree with Him that He is faithful and good and powerful. Look for some of those songs, maybe compile a playlist, and then just find time. Here's my number one piece of advice about finding time. Plan it into your day. If you're waiting for it to just happen when you feel, well, sometimes it might happen, but from my experience, often it doesn't. It's much better if you plan it in. And here's here's my other tip. Make it first thing in the morning. You could do it in the morning or in the afternoon or at evening, but there's something about doing it at the start. There's something about tuning in first thing. We saw Jesus doing that. It's like a priorities thing. It's like when we turn into that first, we really are practically saying, you're the king, you're the first priority. So maybe you're not a morning person, maybe you are. But you can just put something in place, like, I'm going to do this before I jump on Facebook or Instagram or social media. I'm just going to spend ten minutes listening to my playlist of worship songs. Um, or maybe you're a bit more hardcore, maybe half an hour. Whatever it is. Or maybe it's just that you say, before I have breakfast in the morning, I'm going to plug into God. I can't stress this enough. Um, There's been a, a number of things that have meant that I've grown spiritually in my life. But I think that this would be probably in the top two or three. Is just actually choosing to prioritize time in the morning. To be with the Lord. Then you're setting yourself up for massive wins later on in the day and in life. So, guys, this is the strongest encouragement I'm going to give you today. Please do this. Find time in the morning to spend with the Lord. And He loves one-on-one time. He just cherishes it. He's your Father. He'll want to meet with you. It's beautiful, beautiful. You'll be changed in that place. Okay, number two. What else can you do to worship the Lord? Well, maybe you are a musician. You might play an instrument Or maybe you sing a lot or a little. Whether you sing a lot or a little actually doesn't matter too much. But the point is, engage with some singing or engage with some music. There's something that actually happens to you in your soul when you sing. There's actually a kind of connection that takes place when your soul gets to express itself. When you actually get to put this love on display. So maybe find a room that maybe your family isn't too disturbed by it and begin singing. Actually sing. Actually sing to the Lord, as the Psalms say. Um, or make music to Him. Now, number three, another thing that you can try, and this might be going a step further. Maybe in church you sometimes lift up your hands, or you sometimes kneel down. Well, this would be a good time to press into that some more. Sometimes it can feel weird at home, but there's actually power in it. And just a quick note, the Hebrew words for praise, there's actually seven of them, whereas we've only got one in English. So our one word in English is just praise, and that doesn't say all that much. It doesn't say anything about what we should do. But the seven Hebrew words all have physical actions attached to them. They're words that mean things like raise your hands, kneel down and surrender, even shout even sing and even dance and go a little bit wild. So these are the kind of actions that are attached to the words for praise. And I just encourage you, as you step into some of these, you'll find some breakthrough. Um, There's nothing like dancing to find some joy. There's nothing like singing to just feel strengthened in your spirit. And there's nothing like kneeling on your knees to just humble yourself, surrender and let God be God. So... That's my encouragement to you. There's no better time than this. I suggest that you use this time wisely, not just to tune into Netflix, not just to tune into social media, but to actually engage in worship, to actually set some practices in place that are going to benefit you in your walk with the Lord, that are actually going to change you, and they're going to take you from a place of anxiety and fear to a place of peace and joy. It's the power that worship can have. So guys, that's me for today. It's been super fun talking with you. It is just beautiful. And I'm just going to end with a prayer. So Lord, thanks so much for Harmony Church. I just love them. I love what you're doing. I pray that you'd increase the anointing on their church. You'd increase the favor, Lord. And I also just want to pray for everyone in their homes right now. Lord, would you teach us to be worshippers? Would you teach us what it is to be head over heels in love with you? To experience that kind of in love feeling where our beings actually come alive. And Lord, as we engage in worship, would your presence flood our homes? Would our homes become just like places where heaven invades earth? And would they also be places where fear is displaced And love and joy and peace are abundant. I pray that this time where our nation is on lockdown would actually be a time of real joy, of real richness, of real amazing times with you. Would you actually change the social dynamics of our nation during this time as we learn to press into you?